You are listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere, new episodes every Monday and Thursday. up siren sounder podcast episode 44 welcome to the thursday i told you it would happen um we can finally talk about the trade deadline Woo! i don't have to guess we can just talk about everything that happened isn't that just cool um yeah so here we are uh <laughs> big moves hurricanes made a lot of moves I, I heard it was the most eventful uh trade deadline in history so a lot of stuff going on. Even though it's strange that that's the case. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's the other way around. But the way I think about it is that it's strange that that's the case, that it was so eventful when the class of pending UFAs was like one of the lower skilled classes that I can remember in recent history, at least. Usually you always have like, you know, two or three like huge names and then like a, a tier of like really solid guys and then kind of just depth guys from there. Um, this year it seemed like the, the best guy on the list was Chris Kreider, which Chris Kreider is a great player. Um, but you know, that's, that's not what I would expect for like the top, top tier. So, uh, interesting. Anyway, you don't care about that. Let's get into what the Hurricanes did, huh? Three moves were made. Uh, and those moves in order of moviness were, uh, trading Eric Hall, Lucas Walmark, sad. Moment of silence. Just uh, just pretend that went on for 71 seconds. It's not really interesting podcast uh, <laughs> space there. If I don't, you know, talk. But pretend that went on for 71 seconds, like, as a, as a thing, as a moment. Uh, I'm always going to remember you, Lucas. They always trade my favorite players, you know? Not appreciated enough. However, I understand that. You want to, or you, you have to give up good players to get good players. I was a fan of Elias Lindholm as well, um, but, you know, was fine with that trade that they made bringing in Hamilton and Furland, and now, you know, Hamilton is potentially the best player on the team uh, before that injury, which is super unfortunate, but we move on. Uh, anyway, the hurric- the trade was Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, uh, Itolus Sterinen, or however you say that, pretty sure I got at least close in the neighborhood, which is important, um, and uh, Trace Prisky. So four players for one, uh, all being that, you know, two of them are prospects, and uh, Eric Halla is a pending UFA, so he's a rental for Florida. It's a weird trade for Florida to me because they're, it's, it's like, it's not a, it's like a hybrid buy-sell. Because, you know, in theory, I can see that what they're doing is is shaking things up and sending out a really good center for a good two good centers, you know, uh, like and filling out their depth. You, you take a, a B player and you get two C pluses and it's like, OK, I mean, that's 
I don't know that we really got better or worse. Like maybe we got a little worse skill wise, but like now we have more good players than we did before. So it, I guess it makes sense for that. But what I heard was that uh, Quinville didn't really like the way that uh, Trocheck played, like that they kind of came to disagreements um, and that he wanted his team even more competitive. And uh, it's weird. It's weird because I felt the exact opposite about Eric Halla. <laughs> like I felt that he he didn't compete hard enough um, at all times. You know, sometimes he did, but sometimes he would be too much of a perimeter player, which, you know, in fairness, I'm sure has, a, has some to do with uh, health and there's nothing he can really do about it. You know, he can only do what his body can do. Um, but... At times it was like, you know, he was so good at the beginning of the season when he was getting to the front of the net, and it, it seemed like that just kind of faded away, uh, and he became less and less potent offensively and wasn't really interested in, in grinding it out in the corners and all that. Or, you know, maybe that's probably unfair. I'm sure he I'm, he gave effort, right? It's not like Eric Holler was out there not trying, and he was a good player, so I'm not going to put that on him at all. Um, but, you know, wasn't winning a large number of battles for whatever... The reason is, I'm not saying he wasn't trying to win them, but uh, the fact of it is that he definitely lost way more battles than he won. And Trocek is a guy I've always liked a lot, um, very similar to Ryan Dezingle. Uh, obviously, Dezingle hasn't quite lived up to um, expectations, I would say. Um, but, you know, give a guy time to adjust, and uh, he's got to buy into that defensive part of the game. That's, that's the biggest thing. I don't think his offense is a problem. And I think that he's too much of a liability. Um, and if he doesn't get that straightened out, I could see him being a guy that gets moved at some point. But anyway, on to Vincent Trocek. I, I'm i a big fan of his game. Uh, he's, a, he's a pretty good two-way guy, uh, but definitely a little heavier on the offense than defense, I, I would say. He's a right-handed shot, which finally we have a right-handed center, which is good for face-offs, uh, and he's good in the face-off circle as well. So um, that only helps you maintain possession of the puck more, which is important, very underrated part of the game. I would say that when you look at the Hurricanes' stretches of win streaks and loss streaks, that when they're winning more, their face-off percentage is on average higher, and when they're losing more, their face-off win percentage is lower. And I'm not saying that the key to winning is face-offs, right? It's a small part of the game, but it matters. And it makes more of an impact than I think a lot of people realize, but I can tell you who knows that for sure is Rod Brendamore. That man cares about some face-offs, I can tell you that for sure. So the Hurricanes give up a lot for one player, uh, but he's got term. I believe he's got two more years left on his contract after this, and a $4.75 million cap hit, which to me is very reasonable for a guy that uh, can slot in and be a number two center, um, which is great. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of the player. I think we gave up a lot, uh, but I think, it was, I think it was a fair trade. It's weird to me, though, Florida acquires Juan a rental. Walmart, I think, is a key piece of the trade. He he's a good player that can be a third center for them, I think. Um, and then they get two prospects. So that's what I'm saying. It's like somewhere in between a, a, a seller's move to like move out an established roster player for prospects, but you also got a few lesser roster players. But I don't, it's just weird. Um, but the Hurricanes definitely offered. Uh, the best deal out of everyone, because I know that there was interest from others in Trocek from around the league. Of course there is. He's a great player. And uh, just understand that he's coming back from an injury last year, a bad one. Um, so it seems to be like kind of the guys we go after, right? But I don't. it wasn't like uh, as worrisome to me 
as like a holla injury, like a chronic thing that will have to be dealt with. I think it was a, it's healed, but you know, you miss that much time. It's, it's hard to get back to those elite levels, but just remember that, uh, I think it was two seasons ago, the season before last Vincent Trocek put up like 30 goals and 70 something points. Um, so that's what this player is capable of. And you love that. Um, you, you love adding scoring support, uh, and centers are so important. I think that he'll, you know, give him, give him some time to adjust. And this is a move that I think they're thinking of for the future. Like this is a, this isn't, this isn't just a rental. That's the good thing about these guys they brought in is that, um, it takes time to adjust and that sucks when you have 20 games left in the season and you're like, these guys haven't had a training camp with you. They're you're just throwing them in the next day after they arrive in Raleigh, they're playing a game. And that's hard. That's really hard to do. You're you're only used to the system you've played in, so you're trying to kind of catch, like learn on the fly. And the NHL in game isn't a great spot for on the job training. Um, but once Trocheck ad- adapts to the system, I think he's going to fit really well. Um, and I expect him next season to have a really good year, and I'm excited about him. So uh, those are my thoughts on that deal. Uh, next deal of the day is uh, Sammy Votnin who was acquired for um, Yanni Kuokkanen, what's his name, Clayson, who was one of the depth defensemen that the Hurricanes kind of picked up in the offseason, who, you know, was never really probably going to play for the team, but he was along the lines of like a Gustav Forsling type player. Um, And a conditional fourth-round pick. Did I already say that? I don't remember. Uh, The conditions in that fourth-round pick are, one, he has to play, Vatanen has to play five games, I believe it is, before it becomes a fourth-round pick. So if, if if something were to happen and they're like, yeah, we thought he was coming back in March, but actually he's out for the rest of the season, um, he he doesn't, uh, that fourth-round pick is nothing um, because you didn't get anything out of him like you paid. That would suck, right? Uh, so let's hope that's not the case. It also turns into that if he plays like a certain percentage of the playoffs. Uh, and then it becomes a third-round pick once he hits another number of games played. I think it's like 15 so basically, if he doesn't, if he's, if he comes back within like a week to a week and a half, uh, it'll probably be a third round pick that the Devils get um, in the draft, and and I'm fine with that. Um, I've also always liked Sammy Vatanen. I think he gets a lot of crap. I think what you have to understand, and you know, I'll, I'll talk about it after we talk about the next trade. But um, this is a rental, and it's one I feel like you know, regardless of what the Hurricanes' thoughts are on rentals, and I tend to agree with them on them. Uh, it's one you had to make. Uh, out of a situation. So I don't know that the Hurricanes are are looking, you know, I think they're fine with just picking up Brady Shea if they can still get that deal out of that situation, uh, except for the loss of Hamilton and Pesci. Also, those guys are both righties, and Sammy Votnin's a righty, so I think that he'll help fill that gap. And uh, when everybody's healthy, I like this defense. Um, right now, it's a, it's a bit of a struggle, and I'll get to that when we talk about the Dallas game. So uh, all in all, you didn't give up I feel like they didn't overpay for that rental. And, you know, Yanni Kuokkanen is a, is a really good prospect, but you've heard my thoughts on him. I, I feel the same way about Julian Gauthier is that, uh, big picture, I I have a hard time seeing those guys transitioning seamlessly into the NHL and becoming everyday players. I think Gauthier had a better shot because he's a little bit better skater. Kuokkanen thinks the game really well. He's very skilled, but he, he reminds me of like a Victor Rask. Just a little too slow. Like, I think that he could be an everyday NHL player, but not... Not that first round pedigree type of player that, you know, he looked like he had the trajectory to hit. So I'm fine giving him up. Uh, Lusterinen is another guy that, you know, it's uh, to me that's a that's a pretty big loss in the in the four depth. But 
when you look at all these exciting players from you know the last two drafts uh, the Hurricanes have brought in, I'm, I'm really excited about that group, and I think that they're fine replenishing that. And um, you know they have time now; they're getting guys with term on the NHL roster, so it's not like they're going to have to find a fix for guys leaving in the next year. Uh, they give those guys have time to develop, and uh, that's what's good for them. So um, next year, I think look at all the holes on the Charlotte Checkers, and a lot of those guys are jumping up and getting a chance in the AHL, which will be really exciting for me to watch. I'll, I'll definitely be paying attention more to the Checkers next year with all those guys on the roster. Uh, so there we go. Bought and trade, done. I think that it was a it was a smart deal that you, you needed to make. Um, as far as my thoughts on Vatnin as a player, uh, look, he's not going to be a star-studded defenseman. Um, he's going to, you know, he's kind of like a Jake Gardner, although I would say... Like historically, his defense has been a little better. He's a better skater. Um, you know, he's in his 30s now, so not the same player that he was years ago. I really was a huge fan of him uh, years ago, like three, four years ago. Um, I was very high on him. I thought that he was he was one of my favorite kind of offensive two-way defensemen to, to watch. Um, and he's a Finn, so there you go. You can keep adding to the group. We sent a few out, so you got to bring one in. Um, and I think that he will drastically help the power play uh, when he's healthy and ready to jump into that spot if they if they choose to throw him in there. Um, he's just a good puck mover. I, I like him. I like his decisions on offense um, and the defense. You know, what are you going to ask him to do? Are you going to ask him to, to be a top-line defenseman? I don't know if that'll work. Um, I don't know that there's anyone on this team you can ask to be a top-line defenseman other than Jacob Slavin, so I feel like you take your best shot there. Um, and pray that Hamilton and Pesci make early recoveries. Uh, you know, I don't know how likely that is. It looks like Brett Pesci might need surgery, which is very unfortunate um, and definitely would mean the end of his season this year. Um, that's just such a big loss. It really worries me for the rest of the year. Um, Brett Pesci, Jacob Slavin, to me, were the guys that, if they get hurt, I mean, Dougie Hamilton was playing phenomenally, but your forwards can help step up and add some of that offense and Sebastian Ajo seems to be doing that single-handedly uh, and your defense can step up uh, and help supplement the defensive level which I think that um, Hayden Flurry and Jake Gardner recently have been doing so I think that that helps that situation uh, then you lose Pesci and it's like you, there's nobody left to replace him the D's already uh, down a peg and you can't nobody can step up more unless they want to start playing like you know tear up players which is just you, you can't ask that of guys it's not going to happen uh and, you know, Brett Pesci, I think, very underrated his puck-moving ability. Uh, I think you'll slowly watch the Corsi stats reflect the fact that he's not on the ice. Uh, but moving on, I like I like Sammy Votnin. Um, I wouldn't expect him to be here after this year, obviously. His contract's up in the summertime. Uh, but a, a piece that you needed to fill a, a gap in the meantime, for sure. With all the injuries, you have no choice. You, you need somebody. I don't care what his contract is. You know, we need somebody here right now. So, uh uh, good to get it for a, a third or a fourth round pick instead of having to, and he'll come back uh, hopefully uh, next week. So that will be good. Or maybe before that, you never know. Maybe I'll see him in, in Montreal. Um, Brady Shea, next trade. Brady Shea for a first round pick. And uh, what, I, what I understand of this is that it's the, whichever pick is, um, uh, how do I describe this? Lower? Higher? The number is higher. The the <laughs> like value of the pick is lower. I don't know. Uh, out of the Hurricanes pick or Toronto's pick, you know they have the two first rounders from the Marlow trade. 
Um, so my understanding is that, you know, if the Hurricanes finish better than the Leafs in the standings and the Leafs pick is higher up, that the Hurricanes will uh, maintain that one and give their pick that year to the Rangers. If it's vice versa and the Hurricanes finish below the Leafs, um, then the Hurricanes would keep their pick and the Leafs would become the Rangers. That's what I understand. I'm not a general manager, though, so I'm just taking what I did from that press conference, but that was my understanding of what Don Waddell said in the press conference. Um, Brady Shea, here we go. A uh, lot of lot of mixed feelings, and a lot of people have asked thoughts on uh, Brady Shea. Look, here's the, here's the thing is that I only know what I know about players from watching them. Like, I, I try to watch a lot of hockey. I enjoy watching it, um, and especially if a guy's been on a team that's in the playoffs, I've seen him. Um, but I, I just kind of, like, there are certain guys that I, I notice are noticeable, uh, and there are certain guys that, you know, don't stand out as much to me, and I don't really form many opinions on them. Um, Brady Shea's somewhere in between. Like, obviously, I know the name. He's a notable player. Um, I know him more so from being thought of as, like, a really high-end young player um, and hasn't quite lived up to that. But, look, here, here's where we got to get into the discussion of um, expectations versus reality. This is, this is how this goes for a lot of players. This is why a lot of players, including someone like Justin Falk, get the kind of short end of the stick. Um, and a lot of times it's management's fault for pegging them into a, you know, a position that they aren't capable of handling and paying them as well like that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. But my point is, if a guy is capable, realistically, his skill set is capable of being a fourth or fifth defenseman, uh, then that's what he is, and that's fine. I had this conversation with uh, Tom Franklin from the Blue Notes podcast uh, covering the St. Louis Blues when we were talking about Edmondson and Falk is that like it's cool to be a, fi- a fifth defenseman. Every single team in the league requires a fifth defenseman. <laughs> they all play three pairs of defensemen uh, and sometimes a seven, you know? like So you need a fifth guy. You have to have one on your depth chart for defensemen. Uh, so w- there's no problem with a guy being a fifth defenseman. Like... There's plenty of third-pairing defensemen. Look at Trevor Van Riemsdyk last year. We were thrilled with how he performed because he was he was performing as an above-average, to me, third-pairing defenseman, and he was on the third pair. Now put Trevor Van Riemsdyk on the first pair, and you might start to notice more flaws in his game and feel like worse about how good he is. But the fact is, how good he is hasn't changed. What's changed is what he's expected to do on the ice, which is just unrealistic for what he's capable of. So here's my point, is that I feel like Brady Shea got thrust into a role that he wasn't necessarily uh, able to handle. Uh, he looked like he was developing to be a really good player um, and might just be a good player. And they might have thrown him in that really good player territory too early. Uh, and he he wasn't able to kind of handle the workload and also didn't always play with the best uh, defensive partners until Jacob Truba came in. Um, and that's a different story, but... At that point, it's kind of like you got what you got, and uh, you can't expect more out of him. So I think that when he's allowed to be more of a, th- a four, uh, a number four defenseman on this Hurricanes team, you know, you you, th- you think about next year, you think about Slavin, Hamilton, Pesci, and Shea. I like that a lot. I think that he'll thrive, and man, Brett Pesci brings the absolute best out of his defensive partners. Jake Gardner started to play way better <laughs> when he was put with Brett Pesci. And I will admit a million times over, I was so wrong about that. I was very adamant against the fact that uh, Gardner should play with Pesci. I thought that it should be Edmondson. And now look where we are. Um, I'm an idiot. (laughs) And that's why I'm not a coach. But 
Brett Pesci, no matter who he's playing with all year, that player has been noticeably noticeably better than when they play with other defensemen. And that's because Brett Pesci is a truly talented defenseman in this league and has now usurped Jacob Slavin's role of being the most uh, underrated defenseman in the NHL to me. Uh, But I want to read some kind of comments I got from the guys, the Broadway boys, guys, uh, Andy and James, that you heard when we talked about the Joey Keene, Julian Gauthier deal uh, last two weeks ago now, maybe. Um, I wanted to kind of share their their thoughts on him uh, with some tweets I got. Uh, the first one says, A bit of a misunderstood player, one of the best defensemen in the league at roving to get shots through. Unfortunately, he's been deployed a bit over his head since McDonough was traded away. Exactly what I was just talking about. Slightly overpaid based on a promising rookie year. Management, like I just was saying, that's another factor that goes into people judging guys unfairly. Uh, and a next step that never came because, you know, maybe he's just not capable of it. Um, and then still he's a replacement level defenseman who will probably do well in a legit second pairing. If he's allowed to wander more than he usually does, he might even find that missing element to his game. That comes from Andy. Uh, James said, I've seen his game regress every year he's been with us, but that's been the narrative for a lot of players. Then they leave and find their game magically comes back. Shat, Deuces, and Pionk, um, Kevin Shattenkirk, um, who, oh, I miss, I don't, I misread this, I think. Anyway, he's talking about players that, you know, the Rangers traded away um, and, you know, got better than they were on the Rangers, which, you know, the Rangers haven't been fantastic over the last few years, so it's possible that the guy was just, you know, you perform better with better teammates all the time, always. I'll gladly take your first, LOL, good luck. Maybe Andy could be more optimistic. That's what uh, that's what James had to say. And uh, then Andy's answer was basically what I the first two I read. Sorry for making that confusing. Uh, but the point is that the take on it is kind of exactly what I was mentioning. Here's a guy who came in. He looked like he had a ton of potential to be a, a really, really high-end defenseman. They paid him accordingly. And then he didn't end up developing into that. And that's okay. So he's a little overpaid for what he's doing. And you're just going to have to be whatever with that. <laughs> you can renegotiate the contract when it comes out, or you can hope that he grows into that uh, pay. But, you know, as time progresses, high deals for young players get better. Like they get more uh, acceptable because the salary cap goes up. And guys, you know, com- com- comparable contracts for other players around the league start to get higher and higher and higher. And so, you know, $8 million contract that looked high six years ago now looks like fair market value um, and so on and so forth. But I think what you'll get with Shea is a guy who uh, might struggle in the position he's been put in like last game against Dallas. Excuse me, in that uh, kind of first pairing. Like I think that's a little over his head. Um, But, you know, on a second pairing with a really solid uh, 3-4 guy alongside him, like a Brett Pesci, um, I think that you'll see him thrive uh, once he gets used to everything. And you heard that mention that if he's allowed to kind of wander more, uh, he might be more comfortable and find his game. Well, how many times have we heard that uh, Rod Brindamore is huge on, you know, giving guys the green light to go play their game. And if they make a mistake, just make up for it. Um, Brett Pesci has kind of raved on the fact that that's helped him a lot. Uh, I think a lot, everyone loves playing that way as a defenseman, knowing that, you know, hey, you've got, if you think it's a good time to pinch, you've got the green light, but you better know that there aren't always, <laughs> it's not always the best time to pinch. And, you know, it's okay to make a mistake, but you're going to make up for it with hard work. So if he buys into that, then cool. Uh, you can't obviously be making mistakes on every shift, 
that's not going to work. Um, but you know, that, that confidence that your coach has in you to go make plays happen, uh, tends to make those guys that want to make the plays more comfortable in their own abilities, more confident, and then they play better. So that's what I'm hoping for out of Brady Shea. He had some good offensive chances uh, in the Dallas game, and uh, he had you know he had the one mistake early, the turnover that wasn't good. I mean, it was bad, like it was straight up bad, and it pretty much directly led to the first goal in the first minute of the game. Um, but you know what? What are you gonna do? Uh, second chance, I guess. Here you go. And I thought that the rest of his game was fine. I didn't think he was amazing. I think a lot of people are making a little more out of his performance than actually happened. I think I thought he looked good. I thought he looked fine. Like I don't. He looked. He looked like he was doing fine in the role he was asked to fill. Um, so that's good. That's good news. And you know everybody's gonna make mistakes. As long as the mistakes aren't completely outnumbering the the benefits of, of a player playing that style. Uh, you know, we'd look back to Jake Gardner. Earlier on, he was making way too many mistakes. It wasn't justifiable, and it was bad. It wasn't good. Um, and I think the, the criticisms were warranted. Um, to a certain degree, at least, some people tend to go more overboard than others, but he, just, he wasn't good early on. He just wasn't good. Now he's found his game, and I think he's looked great. This is the player that the Hurricanes wanted. He's starting to really play like that guy that they that they wanted when they signed him here. And, you know, hopefully he keeps getting better because we got him for three more years. Um, so hopefully that that's the same case with Brady Shea. Um, and, and there we go. So, trade deadline thoughts. There we are. Before I get into talking about Dallas, uh, I'm going to be in Montreal on Saturday. I know you've heard that a million times. I'm actually, I'm, I'm, as you're listening to this on Thursday, I am there right now. Um, or on a plane there, depending on how early you feel like listening to podcasts. Um, I'll be there in the afternoon. So, uh, I'm going to be tweeting about it. I'm going to be throwing some stuff on Snapchat about it if you want to follow along that kind of journey and get the experience of going to a Canes game in the city of Montreal. Uh, You can obviously follow Twitter at SSCanesPodcast and feel free to add me on Snapchat it's Tompkins with a Z T O M P K I N Z. Um, if you want to just, you know, I don't know why. If you feel like getting a glimpse into kind of the experience, um, and probably me and my friends just acting like complete idiots, but uh, hey, part of the entertainment maybe, or maybe not. Either way, doesn't matter. Anyway, that's how that will go. Uh, I'm gonna try to record an episode while I'm there. I'm kind of gonna have to. <laughs> so uh, next one that you you listen to on Monday should be like kind of re maybe some stories from the trip and, and all that sort of stuff. So it should be fun. Look out for that. Uh, friend of the show, Sam Banishevitz will likely, uh, well, he'll be there with me in person. So, oh, 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 what? Hang on. Let me go address this. <laughs> what is going on out there? It's a war zone. I will be right back. Short break that you won't ever notice. Jesus, dogs. My Lord. Uh, package delivered. That's what caused all that ruckus. Um, and I'm leaving it in because again, this is, you're spending time with me. Basically, you're hanging out with me at the house, and you get the full experience. I'm not, I'm not cutting corners in between. You're either here with me or you're not. And if you're listening, here you are. You're sitting next to me. What's up? How you doing? I'm turning to you right now. It's very rude of you not to respond to me. Um, but it's okay. I'll let it go. I'll give you a second chance. Uh, package caused all the problems. Anyway, where were we? Let's talk about that Dallas game, I guess, before we wrap her up, and uh, I head out of Le Country. 
Um, that game was, I mean, I, I, the Hurricanes didn't play bad. They just didn't play good. Uh, it reminded me somewhat of the Nashville game where they got shut out 3 nothing. Um, I thought the Stars played really well. And here's the thing about the Dallas Stars is that they have skill and also, you know, veteran players and guys that can grind and um, and play good defensive hockey as well. Look at the amount of shots. What are they, 16 shots? Four goals on 16 shots? So, like, that, that's a good recipe for success, right? Um, when you have a 25%. Shooting percentage, that's pretty good. The Hurricanes let the Stars get up 3 uh, relatively early. And it's just, this isn't a team that is going to be easy to come back on. Um, and then they get the, the goal to make it 3-1, which was a good play. Uh, a great pass from Ajo to Slavin, and then a good pass from Slavin and just magnificent skill for Ajo to receive that pass on the outside of his, of his left skate kicking it from the outside edge of his left skate to his stick, and then finishing right in close. He is so good right around the net, and it's uh, it's it's how he's gotten most of these, you know, 30 goals it seems like he's gotten in the last month. Um, he's just he's just so good at collecting pucks uh, in a pinch and close and, and finding a way to just throw it into the net, which it's really just like quick release, get it off, man. Uh, there's probably a small hole, and the faster you shoot it from that uh, distance in that close the better the chance of the puck finding a way past the goalie because they just can't react. So um, that's what you got to do, and that's what he's been so good at. But that goal happens, and it's like, okay, here the team has a chance now. Two goals is still going to be difficult, but uh, you got a chance here. And then the, the goal to make it 4-1 was just, to me, that's when I was like, that's a backbreaker. That is an absolute backbreaker. Um, Dallas is a team that they clearly shut it down early. I think they had one shot in the third period, uh, and don't fool yourselves, you know, the Hurricanes weren't playing bad, but uh, they weren't playing that well. It was by design for Dallas. Most of those shots were kept to the outside. Uh, Hudobin's a, he's a, he's a, you know, we know him. You know him if you're a Hurricanes fan. You know that he's a talented goalie. Uh, he's a backup, but he can, he's one of the best backups in the league and, and could be a starter on a good amount of teams, including ours right now. So, um, you know, you gotta you gotta get traffic in front. You gotta get a lot of shots from good areas, and I didn't think that the Hurricanes got a lot of that. Um, you know, I thought the power play looked good puck movement wise, but the chances just weren't they weren't all that high danger to me. Um, and look, I love Jacob Slavin, but I don't think he's the guy on that power play unit. Um, and they're running out of guys to to throw in there. I would have said, you know, give Pesci a shot. He I think he's a faster puck mover. Jacob Slavin has good vision. He's got really good hands, but his his passes are good. But that 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 play, the Svech, or the um, you know when they're in the zone, Svechnikov lines up at the circle on his offside. Um, that lane is almost always there. But that one timer, I mean, the the setup pass is coming so slow that by the time it gets to Svech, the goalie is all the way over and isn't sliding and getting over. He's just moving, getting set, and then facing a slap shot from you know, outside the face-off dot. And it's just not a threatening shot. So call that a high-danger chance if you will, but to me it's it's almost a low-danger chance because it's so outside that, you know, the, the thing that makes that shot dangerous is the quickness of 
uh, making the goalie have to move side to side and immediately react to a really hard shot. That's the danger of that. That's how the Capitals do it on their power play with the Ovechkin one-timer. It's not a a softy pass. Ovechkin's also killer at uh, one-timing pucks no matter kind of where they're placed to him. He seems to get a ton on it. Uh, So that pass has got to come with pace. I really like it when it comes as a seam pass from Tevo Teravainen. Uh, I think that that's got a lot more potential, but uh, it's not going to be there very often. You have to move the puck around a lot to kind of open that up and generate that, and then it's got to be dead on from both guys, which is just a lot to ask. Uh, So I thought the power play looked good puck movement-wise, but not enough traffic in front if they're going to take those shots from far away. And yeah, that one-timer just wasn't very uh, dangerous to me because uh, the goalie had way too much time to react, and he's too far away at that point. So, you know, you either got to, you got to put him in an area where uh, he has a better angle at the net if the goalie does get over in time, or you've got you've to be crisper with your, your puck movement and, and zip it, you know? Like, one touch it, get him to him quickly. I think that's what Dougie Hamilton was doing really well on the power play, and it's just irreplaceable. Um, where are we? So, yeah, basically what happened uh, from that point on was Dallas was fine letting the Hurricanes get all the shots they wanted from outside the dots, um, which just isn't going to score on a goalie like Hudobin that's having a good night uh, and has had a really good stretch here recently and won a lot of games for the Stars. So you just, uh, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to win games against a team that is out grinding you and decides to shut it down. It's not going to happen. I called it very early in the third period and it wasn't a lack of faith in the Hurricanes. It was more so just like respecting like the Dallas Stars are doing a really good job of, of the philosophy of just parking the bus, if you will, um, and not giving up anything. They're doing way too good of a job. I don't think the way the Hurricanes are playing right now that they've shown a lot of ability to generate enough to score three goals here in one period. It's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic. Um, and the only way they a team gets to do that and play that way is if they get up early, and unfortunately, the Hurricanes have made a, a bad habit of getting down by a lot of goals. I mean, so much so uh, to the point where it doesn't, like, break my spirits when they drop 3 nothing in the first period or something. Uh, I'm like, eh, they can come back. I mean, it's it's the game's not over by any means. Uh, but you get to the third period, and you're down 3 um, against a team that's clearly not giving up much, and it starts to get like, eh, this is gonna, this is a very long shot. Um, moving on to the goalie's performance, I thought that Ned was fine. Obviously, four goals on 16 shots isn't ideal, um, but the first goal was a bad turnover uh, that ends up, he has no chance. He makes the first save on uh, Sagan, but Sagan's so wide open because the, the puck skipped there from a, turn, a defensive turnover behind the net uh, that he's not going to miss that second rebound, um, or first rebound, I guess, second shot. And, you know, the, the hence goal where he kind of goes to make that backhand move, it's like, I mean... It would be amazing for a goalie to make that save, but let's just be honest, it was a great play and a great move and, a, and an offensive breakdown to lead to that chance. And then you got a bad bounce. Um, the puck comes off the glass, and, and, you know, what do you do? How do you react to that? So, you know, I thought that Ned, it seemed to me... So he was fine. He was fine. There was nothing wrong with his performance at all. And none of that game was his fault. He is definitely not someone you pin that game on. At all. He had a fine debut. Uh, he made some good saves. Um, he just didn't go crazy above and beyond and steal saves, right? I talk about this a lot, that like your goalies have to make certain saves. Um, they can't let in soft goals. And every now and then, if a goalie's going to be above just an average replacement level NHL goalie, 
they have to go Stelia save that probably should have scored that they saved uh, at least one or two a game. And you see goalies do it all the time. Hudobin probably did it to the Hurricanes at least once or twice. You know, a goal a shot that easily could have scored from where it did. Uh, but he went out and made a really good save. Ned didn't really do that. And the team didn't really put him in a good position to do that. Uh, and it's not his job to do that. But, like, that's what you needed to reverse the defensive breakdowns. Uh, is a goalie to steal you a few saves. And I think the Hurricanes are going to continue to need that for the rest of the season and the playoffs. So the goalie's performances, to me... Um, I'm not going to judge them for just being, you know, saving what they should save and not saving anything above that. Um, but I think it's going to be necessary <laughs> to to uh, win enough games to get in and, and make some noise in the playoffs uh, if we get there. So uh, Ned and Forsberg, and I wouldn't be surprised if, well, they'll both definitely play this weekend. you got Friday, Saturday, Friday against the Avs, Saturday against the Canadians. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see... Um, Ned Friday and Forsberg Saturday, um, but you know who knows? It, you, they're interchangeable to me at this point. I think that they've both been good in the AHL. I liked both of them in the preseason, um, and I'm comfortable with either one in net. Uh, but whoever's in net is going to really have to have a, an above average performance and and kind of overplay the expectations of them. You you know you're hoping they just keep you in the game by not letting in a goal they shouldn't, but I think they need to probably steal a few games for the Canes here down the stretch. Uh, you know at least until the defense is 100% healthy, and you're running out of time here. The Rangers are right behind us. <laughs> you know they just gave us one of their best defensemen for a first round pick, and now they're going to catch up to us in the playoff race, which is cool. Um, and get a first round pick out of it that would be horrible. Uh, the Flyers just continue to win and are kind of running away with third place. Um, and the Blue Jackets continue to be a pest. You got a ton of games in hand on them, so I'm not super worried about taking over that spot. But at a certain point, you got to start winning the games in hand. Uh, just having them isn't enough. You have to win them when you when you do play those games that you have in hand on opponents. So these next two games to me are uh, super teetering on the must-win category. Um, I feel like every game this time of year, it feels like a must-win. But... They need four points out of this weekend, um, and that should get them back in the playoffs. And now you're just, you know, continue to chase the Islanders. The Islanders aren't aren't a lock by any means. Um, you know, you can you can go get them, but you keep falling. You know, you fall behind more than three points to me, and it starts to get real iffy uh, if you don't have any games in hand on an opponent this time of year. That's just that, that's just a lot of ground to make up. You need them to slip, and you need to kill it. So the Hurricanes haven't really shown that they can get on a, you know, four or five game winning streak here in the last half of the season it feels like so um if that's not going to happen then you know you're relying on opponents to slip and it's just the metro's too good nobody's going to slip that much columbus slipped a lot and you still haven't completely taken advantage of it so nobody's going to slip more than that and they've lost some key players as well uh hurricanes are going to have to find a way to deal with these injuries get straight uh i think the coaching staff will figure out the defensive pairings and how to make that work Obviously, having five lefties and one righty isn't ideal at all, especially for forcing some guys that aren't used to doing that to do it. Uh, you know, you've seen Flurry plays offside. You've seen uh, Pesci plays offside a lot, and, you know, you get used to it, and those guys have done fine. And forcing a guy like Slavin to play his offside or Shea um, or Edmondson, like, it's just it's going to be more difficult because they haven't done it. And it's it's hard. You saw on that first turnover by Shea, um, that's not an easy puck to handle. It's not an easy puck to make something out of, but at the NHL level, you have to, like, it's, it's a, it's a fundamental thing. It's just difficult. 
but you should be skilled enough to be capable of it, and he definitely is. He just messed that one up. So uh, you kind of see why that's such a big deal around the league. Um, and anyway, I'm getting tired of talking. I'm losing my voice here. So um, I'm going to bounce, and I uh, can't wait to fly out of the country tomorrow. Hope I don't catch that coronavirus. Uh, but if you don't hear back from me, it's because I died of foreign diseases or got locked in a Canadian jail. So um, I'll have to learn more French. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, I know I will, and I look forward to the episode coming on Monday where I get to chat with some of my boys. Um, follow at SSKane's podcast on Twitter. Again, you can uh, follow me on Snapchat if you want to tag along for the Montreal Adventure, Tompkins, T-O-M-P-K-I-N-Z. Um, and uh, yeah, enjoy yourself, folks. I'll be back Monday. Maybe. Later.